in today's episode of the Amon Wire podcast. At the age of 18, I had been found guilty for murder, aggravated battery, and armed violence. My sentence was 28 years. If they get me again, it's called three strikes around. I'm 58. I'm done. I'm tired, I'm tired, and no matter what it is that I do, a lot of times it just ain't working out. Uh, cell phone with no combat. Reentry sometimes is a misnomer because it implies a second chance, and the reality for a lot of our brothers is that they never really had a first chance. I'm beginning to think that. The best place for me to be was back in one of them sales because it's the only thing it is that I knew. You have no idea what it's like, man. And every step for me has been very challenging. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, welcome to the Imanwar podcast. Salim here. Today, uh, we're going to be discussing uh, a new film. It's called The Honest Struggle. Uh, the Honest Struggle is, uh, is the story of a Muslim convert who, after over 25 years in prison, reenters society in the south side of Chicago and to face the same streets that ruined his life. Uh, the film is a raw portrait of a man struggling with his past as a gang chief while trying to survive an honest life and redefine himself in a world in which he feels no belonging. The film has been featured at multiple film festivals. It's garnered critical acclaim, and it's going to be released in uh, in April 2019. Joining us today is the director of the film, Justin Mashouf, and the subject of the film, uh, Sadiq Davis. Assalamu alaikum and welcome, uh, Justin and Sadiq. Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're really uh, excited to have you on um, uh, to talk about the film, which, uh, um, mashallah, it's, it's a great effort. Um, and before we get into the film, uh, Justin, uh, I wanted to start off with you uh, because, uh, I mean, as a filmmaker, you, you chose this topic. Uh, that tells us on its own, uh, it tells us a little bit about you, the fact that you chose this topic, that you had some interest in uh, the problems of incarceration and the, the challenges faced by uh, inmates, ex-felons when they get out of prison. Uh, so, you know, take us back, walk us back a little bit. Tell us what it was about you and your background, your experience that motivated you, interested you to make this film? Alhamdulillah. So, I mean, my uh, early on, I, you know, I come from a, a secular Iranian household and, um, you know, my father's Iranian, my mother's American, uh, German, Irish. And I was really initially exposed to Islam through the story of Malcolm X um, and reading the autobiography at an early age and realizing how, uh, you know, ridiculous and and unfair um, the, you know, quote unquote criminal justice system is um, kind of was like a foundational pivotal, um, you know, motivator for me um, in my life. So, you know, fast forwarding many years in 2008 or 2007, I received an, an email from a uh, prison chaplain in North Dakota and he he essentially was looking for Muslims to pen pal with um, with the Muslims that were incarcerated there. And he had found my email from the Internet, from our MSA website in Arizona. So that was just uh, really kind of truly one of those godsend moments that 
um, I, I realized that, you know, this is God's way of telling me I have to make a project about this. And so I had been initially in touch with that brother who was a convert. Um, actually, the major, all of the brothers that I was in touch with were converts. Um, one in Cal- – uh, like two or three in California, uh, one in Nevada, um, and uh, one in uh, North Dakota. And um, the uh, – you know, essentially – we ended up um, shifting the story to be more about reentry after I realized there was a lot of institutional kind of issues with and logistical problems with trying to bring a camera into a prison um, without, uh, you know, a budget of over, you know, of over a hundred, a hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. It's very difficult to mm-hmm. afford the insurance policies that the prisons require. Um, and the prison, the department of corrections of California essentially just said, you know, unless you're with CNN or a major network, like we just don't care who you are. You cannot come in with cameras. Um, so after finding out about, uh, the story of, uh, Project uh, Restore and Project Green Reentry in Chicago in 2010. Um, you know, I got kind of uh, initial agreements from Rami to uh, go ahead and make the project. And in 2013, Sadiq was released, and I realized this is my guy that I want to follow from the day he's released until the day he's paroled. And that's what we ended up making. So, finally, it's it's interesting because I was I was about to ask you, um, you know, why you chose to focus on um, the post specifically in the post-prison uh, um, transition. Um, and because of those restrictions, as you, as you mentioned, uh, you, you focused on that. But I think it's actually very fortuitous because um, this tends to be a very, a, very much of a blind spot, especially when it comes to the Muslim community. Um, there are Muslim communities, generally, there's a popular awareness of, of uh, Muslims uh, accepting Islam in prison or Muslims in prison, but there tends to be quite um, a negligence of the challenges of reentry, the challenges of um, you know acclimating back into society, and 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 all those things which are depicted in the film. Going on uh, the other way, I, I want to ask you, Sadiq, because you know what was your thought process in agreeing to this? I mean, this is not something that's easy to allow someone you know access to your life like this. Um, was there a, a specific motivation you had? Was there a goal in mind? Did you think that maybe that something like this could help bring awareness of something or was something like that? Well, to begin with, uh, when I first heard about it, it scared me, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't, you know, I mean, with me being Muslim and and, and uh, moving around the state of Illinois and, you know, making sure that the brothers was doing what it is supposed to do. I didn't know whether the FBI was involved or what. Right. You know, uh-huh. so the minute I heard that cameras would be at the train station, I really got kind of nervous. But at the same time, I was telling myself that this has to be done because, uh, you know, I'm representing them same brothers it is that I left. And at the same time, I'm trying to get them some hope to hold on when they come out here because I knew at some point, whatever it is I was about to go to, they was going to be subjected to the same thing. Would it be fair to say one of your motivations was that you were doing this for brothers like who are in a similar position to yourself to show them that you know that there's this that there's this uh experience that you're having and, and the support or this transition that of, of what you're going through well i was thinking that maybe uh in spite of everything that i had been through that i had really had to just give my best no matter what the circumstances is mm-hmm. and of course i had some reservations because i knew anything about the outside world 
Right. You know, uh, all my life has been spent in, um, in, in behind bars and, you know, from the age of 12 all the way up. So, you know, naturally when somebody talking about doing some stories on your life and sharing your life story and things of this nature, I feel like, well, you know, it'd be a good thing to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm really scared. You know, I'm really scared because I don't know what it's going to lead to. I don't know where it's going. And the only thing I know about is prison life. Right, right. Well, I mean, certainly, I, I want to thank you for 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 do, uh, allowing Justin and his crew to um to uh, include you in this project, include you as a subject of the documentary, because it, it really is a powerful film. And one of the things that uh, you know the film really highlights is uh, what we call um, or what's called the cult, the the collateral consequences of uh, of conviction. Um, you know, we tend to think uh, again popularly of the direct consequences. Um, which is, you know, the time you spend in in prison. But after the release, as we mentioned earlier, um, you know, there there's there's many, for example, many restrictions even placed on ex-offenders. You know, it varies by state, but you know, that can include loss of voting rights. It can include loss of licenses, um, in, a, in, a, in ineligibility for uh, you know public funds, student loans, um, deportation for some immigrants, um, but. Probably the worst thing is, uh, and by some numbers, it's about 60 to 70 percent of the collateral consequences relate to employment. Um, You know, so some places you're disqualified from holding a state office or position, you're barred or restricted from opportunities in occupations, like even like cab driving, truck driving, uh, construction work. And then, of course, there's the other barriers for employers hiring ex-offenders, even some insurers may not uh, may refuse or penalize companies that hire ex offenders. But then, of course, more the bigger problem is uh, the stigma of uh, or the unwillingness uh, for employers to hire um, ex offenders. And this is something that's touched on quite a bit in the film. Um, and Sadiq, I'd like to, if you can, can you give our listeners um, a bit of a window into just how difficult um, uh, finding employment can be? For someone who's coming out of prison, it's a, it's, it's a very difficult process, you know, because you come out of a situation where uh, you feel like whether you did the crime or not, you've already been judged for it. Right. And, and then you come back out to the street and you're being judged for it again. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you have yourself lined up, you're in the right mindset. Uh, you know, you're doing what it is that you're supposed to be doing according to uh, what it is that you've accepted uh, by way of the dean. And no matter where it is that I went, people was looking at uh, more than anything where I came from and what I've been charged with. Uh, they never sit down and talk to me and ask me, well, did you do this? You know, it, it didn't matter to them. It, it was just the mere fact that you came out of those circumstances in that situation that makes us afraid to take a chance on you. And, and, and a lot of times, uh, brothers coming out of prison are more qualified than the people it is that's, that's also trying to get the same job, you know. And uh, But for some apparent reason that we know about, uh, being Muslim uh, and, and then trying to keep yourself on the right track and do the right thing, just don't, don't sit right with society sometimes. You know, it's almost like uh, they, they want you to do wrong. You know, like the stage is set for you to do wrong, you know. So we, we don't want you out here. You need to go back where it is that you came from. Uh, matter of fact, uh, in my experience in life, uh, I've had officers to tell me point blank that you need to go back to prison. You know, you out here with this self-righteous stuff, telling these brothers that they shouldn't be selling drugs and stop the gang banging. You need to go back to prison now. You know, that stuff ain't happening out here. And of course it is, I had to explain to them that the reason why it's not happening is because y'all on the payroll and I'm not. 
So I'm going to continue to get it out there the best way it is I can. And no matter how many times you tell me no, I'm going to continue to tell myself yes, because for whatever it is that I've been charged with, I've been told that I've been forgiven for it. So I'm going to keep on moving with everything it is that I have to do. And it's very difficult, but I never thought about throwing in the towel. But at some time I did think about, well, maybe I need to be back in one of these sales because this stuff is much more complicated than I thought it would be. Yeah, and and um, you know one of the one of the powerful times in the film um, was actually there was a point where you know you've already seen in the film the difficulties for you getting uh, employment, but there's a point where you have to make a decision um, to leave actually a job that you have um, really to prioritize your principles. I mean, you left it because of the, your principles and your concerns. Um, how frustrating, how difficult was that to do? I mean, after all that struggle of trying to find work in the first place. That's very frustrating. It is, it is it's so frustrating. It will weigh on you so heavily. You begin to doubt yourself. You know, it is very, it's very painful. It's very emotional. You know, you don't know which way is up. You just don't know what to do. And I think if Justin hadn't been on the other line, on the other side of the phone line, uh, I probably would have volunteered to go back in one of them places. Mm. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately for me, I had somebody to talk to to kind of help me get through what it is that I was going through. And that made that much of a difference. But it got real spooky for a minute. It got real scary, you know, especially when family members are being murdered. And, you know, there's no justice being dispensed. And then, you know, you constantly telling yourself that, well, I can dispense my own justice. You know, this is my family, mm -hmm. you know. And then you, so you, you, you're struggling with some things, man. You know, you, you're struggling with some things concerning life in its entirety, you know, because you just don't know what to do. You don't, you know, you think about these things until you, you're in a position where you face with them and then it's an altogether different story. You know, and, 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 and you know, you, you're seeing other brothers fail, you know, you're listening to, you know, the word in the street, other brothers is failing. And, you know, you got these other guys that's part of the same organization used to be and saying, man, why are you subjecting yourself to this stuff? You know, we got guns, we got drugs, you know, we can fix all of this. We just need you to step up and take a leadership role again, you know, and you tell yourself, and it's a Muslim, you know, and what it is that we do, you know, and how it is that we live. So, you know, it's like a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, uh, if it don't be for brothers like Justin and the organization that he mind, uh, I would have chose to get back involved, uh, and, 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 and mess my life back up again because I'd have been a whole lot more happier sitting in one of them sales where I had no responsibility and had to do nothing. Yeah, certainly. And that's actually, you know, I think one of the recurring themes, uh, in the film, um, you know, that, I mean, the film is called The Honest Struggle and, uh, you see, um, you know, the honest struggling and being true to yourself, being true to God, uh, being true to your principles, but you're still facing challenge after challenge. And, you know, there's always this fear, as you said, um, you know, you're just one step away of, of falling back um, to where you were before. Uh, would you would you say and just to, to give our listeners who haven't seen the film uh, would you would you say that the struggles of life after prison are in some ways harder than the struggles in prison? Uh, the, the the struggle coming out of prison is much greater than the one inside. There is no doubt about it because you come from a cloakness family while you're incarcerated. You know, you got you praying with brothers, you eating with brothers, you studying with brothers, and then you come out here to to the world and you can go to some mosque and people look at you like you don't even belong there. 
you know, uh, uh, the help that was available in prison was no longer the help that was available on the outside. The camaraderie, the, the brotherhood, you didn't see that out on the street like you did in prison. So it's like, man, what's going on? I expected to see the, you know, even more so on the street than I did in prison. But, you know, uh, from what it is I was told from various Muslims is welcome to the real world. You know, uh, you guys had not a whole lot of responsibility up in there and then leading the community. And, you know, when you come out to the street, you know, the first thing the brothers want to hear is that they got some place to come when they come out to the world. You know, they got some people that's going to support them in their adjustment back in society. And I couldn't even write back and tell them that that's going to be true. You know, so the struggle was is 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 today is still a struggle, brother. It ain't over with. I'm still struggling today. You know, to get adjusted to what it is that I see in society, uh, uh and a whole lot of things is I can't do anything about. So you know, it's, it's still a very painful process, and I've been out here now since 2013. Yeah. And it, but it's like each and every day, it's like uh, I can sit down and think about like I, it seems like I just got out here. Yeah. The struggle is, is, you know, is just that great these days. So, um, in answer to your question, just as much greater than it is out here on the street than it was in prison. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's why organizations like Iman are so important, right? Is that and in for- Iman, just for our listeners, is the Inner City Muslim Action Network uh, in uh, in Chicago, um, headed by you know Rami Nashashibi, who was also um, pointed out in the film. Uh, just to give our uh, listeners a background on that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, you know, and also they've just, they, they've opened a, a branch in Atlanta as well, alhamdulillah. So they're oh, expanding. Sure. And so essentially, you know, the most simple of ideas um, that has such a great effect on, you know, brothers that are coming home is just having a space to, to live in together with other Muslims um, in a positive, wholesome environment that, they don't have the idea of rent hanging over their head. You know, transitional housing is something that, you know, is incredibly important. And if it's done correctly, it can really be a make or break uh, scenario for people. Because, you know, like Sadiq said, there's so much camaraderie on the inside. Also, too, just to, to you know, to remind folks about what prison life is, it is not nice. It is, uh, you know, oftentimes very scary. Uh, it is very violent. And the Muslim community in the prison acts as a security blanket. It acts as, you know, um, you know, essentially, you know, keeping you safe. So when you are, you know, at sometimes at war, um, your brothers and sisters become the closest people to you. And that relationship sustains you and it can sustain your well-being. Now, imagine going from that to the type of Muslim communities that we have on the outside that it's like, okay, well, we're going to come on Friday. We're going to pray together and then take it easy. Like have a, have a good rest of the week. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You know, see you next week. That's, that's, that's it. And it, it ain't what's going on during the week. You know, what's, what may happen in your life during that time. It's like, just see you next week. Inshallah. Yeah. You know, and then that's it. Yeah. You know, one of the brothers that I was doing my research with early on, he was a white convert guy and he had, you know, tattoos on his arms and they, the, the brothers and sisters at the mosque that he was in, in Iowa, you know, they like to come and say salam to him. But he said, you know, nobody would ever come to my house. You know, I invited <laughs> people over all the time. Nobody invited me to their house. Nobody invited, no, nobody would come over. He said, I, brother, I just want somebody to play Xbox with, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, that was like, just a heartbreaking thing for me to hear, you know, 
Um, so, you know, we have a lot of work to do as a community to, to really, to, to make some adjustments and, and to help people out. And it's like, you know, you, you may not be able to give a million dollars to an organization so they can open up a, a housing unit, but you know what? You can go play Xbox with, with somebody, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can invite somebody over for Iftar. You can have somebody, you know, these are the, the, the small steps to take to help people that are coming home in this position. Yeah, I mean, certainly, the, I mean, uh, as we know, I mean, there's there's a lot of stigmatization, marginalization, uh, I would say probably a lot of misconceptions that maybe Muslims may have uh, about people coming out of prison. One scene that from the film, actually, it was like a really brief scene, but it, it resonated with me was um, there was a point in the film where you're speaking with uh, audio, an audiologist about your hearing aid, yeah. and, uh-huh. and, and yeah. you have to explain how you lost it and because you're incarcerated and it was sort of representative to me of you know the sometimes awkward or uncomfortable everyday conversations that you probably Sadiq you always have to you always have to have with people sometimes um you know, tell us a little bit about that in terms of like in terms of you know maybe dealing with people's misconceptions or like their discomfort or you know how can we how can how how would you advise other Muslims and how they can become, you know, just more warm, welcoming, more understanding of, of uh, individuals who have gone through what you've gone through? Uh, I would tell them to uh, remind themselves of what it is that they read, remind themselves of what it is that they committed to do, remind themselves when they face with them kind of challenges of who it is that they are, you know, because these are the kind of things that Shaitan had a tendency to whisper to him to forget, and that's when you're in trouble. So, you know, more than anything, yes, I was very uncomfortable with how she was asking me about what happened to the hearing aids and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I was very uncomfortable with it, but I realized, you know, it's what she didn't know about me. You know, right. she was doing only what it is that she thought she would do what she was doing just to help me. But it wasn't helping me because I felt like, listen, this, first of all, whatever it is that I get out of this, it ain't coming out of your pocket. You know, you ain't you, you ain't spending no money for this. You know, so I'm telling you, see, I got a hearing problem. So why would you continue to question me about everything else? Your focus of concern should be to get me a hearing aid. That's it. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, that, that ain't how it works. So I would tell the brothers, I talked to some of the brothers uh, now that's coming to the street. I have a pretty good rapport with some of the brothers that are, that are on the street. One brother in particular just did 46 years and 10 months. You know, so I I talk with him on a regular basis and let him know that he's going to be faced with many challenges and just don't forget about who he is and what he said he was committed to doing and he'll be all right. One of the things that one of the things I I personally hope about the film is that it it helps bring more awareness for uh, particularly for Muslims and, and just understanding um, the circumstances for a lot of uh, a lot of individuals and how they entered prison. You know, uh, you know, at very young ages, you know, making you know mistakes when they're young, and then paying for those mistakes um, quite a bit, uh, and then also understanding that by them coming back into society, you know, years later, it's not like everything's all all um, hunky dory. Uh, yeah. You know, R- Rami Rami says a great thing in that in the in the film where he talks about you know you know you talk about reentry. Uh, or you and you know we always think oh these you know people come out of prison they have they're they're getting a second chance he says that's not really true because the reality is that many uh, have never even got that first chance right exactly. and and that exactly. that is like something that was really profound uh, that you know it's something that the, the Muslim community in general and just the general American society has to get a, the handle on 
Yeah, Sadiq and I were talking a little bit before we started recording uh, today. We were talking about you know his history of you know Sadiq was was a was a child when Martin Luther King was uh, assassinated. He was he was he was he was a child when Fred Hampton. Uh, of the of the Black Panther Party was was killed by the police mm. in, in Chicago, right? That's right. And you know what does that do to a the, to the psychology of a child to say that you know what the society that is supposed to keep you safe and is supposed to give you benefit, you know what it's actually going to be murder. It's murdering your leaders. It's killing people that you are supposed to be looking up to. Imagine what that does to somebody. You know, not not even to mention all of the other societal, you know, structural issues from education to over policing and all these things. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's apples and oranges situation that we're talking about. Um, you know, one of the things also to, to switch gears a little bit from, let's like, say, like a metaphysical or a spiritual point of view, um, Sadiq, is... You know, one of the lines that you say in the uh, in the uh, from the film is you talk about the truth, and it's actually pretty interesting. I, I'm sure this was intentional. You called it the honest struggle, right? There's this whole element of truth and struggling of 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 this idea of being truthful. Your name is Sadiq, right? Um, you talk about the truth, uh, and you say that you live by you know you live by the you can choose to live by the truth or you can choose to live by the lie. But that you then you add you say you that you cannot ac- access the truth without first letting go of the lie. Um, and that to me was really profound because to me, it's about seeking, finding spiritual clarity, like clarity in everything that you do first in your heart, but also in your action. Now, Mm -hmm. I I believe you mentioned this in the context of, you know, how you, how you came about accepting Islam, but I wanted to ask you, how has that same concept, how has that helped you manage the many struggles you've had since, you know, coming out of prison and entering society, re-entering society? Well, I think more than anything, the reason why I couldn't get it right, and I started at a very young age, is because I was living a lie. So, you know, from what it is that I've learned, uh, and just like I stated in the film, when you live in that lie until you let it go, you don't have access to the truth. So my question was, what am I being guided by? But nothing else there but the lie. So that lie started when I was very young, when I became a gang member, you know, and uh, I was telling my steps that I'm going to be a gangster. You know, like all the people in the neighborhood was telling themselves as a result of watching James Cagney movies and Edward G. Robinson movies. You know, we're going to be like some guys that was only, it was scripted. It was rolled out to make it appear that way. But we took all the stuff to be real, you know. So as a result of growing up, you tell yourself that, well, okay, you know, now I know this stuff wasn't the truth. You know, where did these ideas come from? You know, my question was to myself was, why couldn't I get it right? Why wasn't I so comfortable with who it is that I knew I was created to be? Because, number one, I didn't know who I was created to be. Everybody was telling me who it is that I should be. I was getting it from everybody else, you know? So I had no idea of what it is that I was supposed to be doing or how it is I was supposed to be living, even as a human being. Because where I come from, humanity didn't exist. You know, you had to live the best way you could to survive. And so until I learned what the Dean of Al-Islam was about, I held on to that because there was nothing else there. So in making that statement about don't have not having access to the truth uh, means just that. It's like the two waters that separate, you know, they're not going to cross each other, even though there's no barrier in between them. So the, the lie and the truth is the same way to me. You can only be guided by one or two things because there's only two extremes in life, the lie and the truth. How do you think that concept helped you coming out 
in, in, in your reentry process? Well, it, it, it helped me coming out because I knew it, it gave me a choice. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it gave me a choice. One or the other to choose. If I had to choose the lie, then I know what the consequences were. If I choose the truth, then I know what the consequences were. So I decided to hold on to uh, the truth because I've learned in my reading through reading the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say, you know, that stuff no longer exists. You know, it, this is over with. You're a new person now. You're a new creature. You're a new human being. You're my servant now. So whatever it is you did before you started to practice Islam the right way don't even exist no more. That gave me a sense of comfort. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that to me was really exemplified when you, you gave up that job because of, you know, of, of wanting to stay on the truth, you know, from, from your perspective. Because I got to say, I mean, I, uh, I could totally understand uh, myself included being in that situation, just like, you know, just, you know, putting my head down and just be like, no, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm just going to, because I, I need this job. But, uh, you know, uh, mashallah, I mean, uh, the film is really a, a great depiction of, of your um, your commitment to the truth. And, and, and I sort of saw that also in the sense that in the film that you, you know, sort of, uh, there was that other younger brother, um, uh, I believe his name is Qasim or in, in the film? Uh, Kadir. Kadir, Kadir, sorry, Kadir. Um, and, you know, sort of taking him under your wing and sort of giving him some advice um, in, in some of the scenes that we saw. And I wanted to, to, to extend that, if you could, to give us some advice, if you can, Sadiq. I mean, because you look at your life, uh, you know, struggling, struggling after struggle. You hit rock bottom, right? Uh, you, you're in prison. Then you accept Islam, but it's still a struggle. I mean, it's it's even harder. Like you said, it's even harder now. Uh, it, it's it's harder from like you know physical perspective, worldly perspective. Uh, but and there's a lot of other people who um, are out there who are going through all sorts of struggles. They're struggling. They're suffering. And the inevitable question, um, perhaps you know they they might ask, and maybe you yourself asked, is is you know when is this going to be over? When is the trial going to be over? When is it going to get easy? Um, what would you say to those people struggling with that? Because it certainly hasn't been easy for you, uh, but you keep on struggling. What would you say to them? Well, I would say that I'm accepting the fact that the struggle will never be over, you know, until you leave here, because we were put here to do just that struggle. So I, I haven't accepted the fact that anything will get any better than what it is unless a lot wills it that way. You know, other than that, whatever it is that my life is at this point is what it is I'm supposed to go through because there's a lesson involved. You know, in my mind, you can't go to the next level of your growth or nothing else until you first learn about why it is that you're in the position it is that you're in. Why? Because the last time I tell you, I take you through stages. I raise you up in different levels. So I'm learning even as I uh, continue to run into these struggles that I'm supposed to have them because they're supposed to teach me either something about myself or the people I got to deal with or what it is I'm supposed to do. Uh, nothing is by chance. Everything serves a purpose. So as long as I don't take it personal, then I can get through this. As long as the brothers coming out of prison don't take it personal, they can make it out of here in society. You know, the minute we start to take it personal, then we're going to find ourselves in positions that we have no control over. So I'm learning to just, just stay cool you just stay calm, continue to read, and if they run across some things that it is that I don't understand, then I get in touch with Jesson or somebody else who knowledge about these things, and together we're going to try to figure it out. But I do accept the fact that each day I'm going to struggle. Mashallah. And I tell the brothers when they come out of prison, you're going to struggle. When you don't struggle, then you're not practicing correctly. Why? The Quran teaches us that Allah say, I don't, you know, I don't care what the disbelievers do. Mm-hmm. 
they can get whatever it is they got coming. So don't let them having all that money and them fancy cars fool you. You know, don't let what it is that they live in like look like it's easy for them. Don't don't even compare your life with that because you don't know the reason why I gave that to them. So I try to tell the brothers that I talk to now, when you come out of prison, this is not going to be a walk in the park. You're going to go through exactly what it is I'm going to go through. But if you remember your lessons, that would help band-aid it a great deal. Mm -hmm. You can take it a little. You can take it a whole lot better. You know, without remembering where it is that you come from, you ain't going to be able to deal with society. Right. You ain't going to be able to handle it very well because it's too much for you. You know where you coming from a world where you had no responsibility? Now you got to. You know, and a lot of brothers uh, uh, don't want to deal with that simply because it's much easier to make a bad decision in the street to do something different. Yeah. You know, opposed to walking in the office with a suit on, trying to get a job, and everybody looking at you like you're half crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling at all. But, you know, again, uh, it makes it easier for me because I wake up every day with a thought in mind that whatever it is that I encounter that don't do me a whole lot of justice, if it don't kill me, I'm supposed to encounter it. Mm. Just so I can wake up the next day and say I made it through that day and keep on moving to try to be a good example for those who haven't had any. Follow an example of who? Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yeah, one of the most powerful things for me, honestly, uh, Sadiq, was uh, there was one point where I think you were with your, uh, you were with your brother, and you just said, you know, very casually said, you know, as long as I don't have, if I don't have anything, but I have peace of mind, um, yeah. and it was like, you know, it's like, man, if you have your faith, you have your faith in Allah and His Messenger, Sallallahu and you, that's all you need. Um, it's easy for people to say that theoretically, but you know, when you are really struggling and having difficulty. Uh, it really, it really brings it to home. Um, I want to sort of, you know, uh, switch gears again to, to get your your thoughts, both of you, Justin and Sadiq. Uh, you know, the film talks a lot about the need for social support uh, for those coming out of prison, and I, I want to get your thoughts about what you th- what you feel Muslims, uh, you know, can or should be doing. Um, you know, you know, by all measures, uh, you know, based on what our, you know, our religion teaches us, you know, Muslims should be actually should be on the front lines of efforts to tackle the problems of, say, selective or mass incarceration or the issues of conditions of, of inmates in prison or supporting you know, ex-offenders and entering society, giving them the network, giving them education, giving them the tools, the structure to succeed. And, and, and yeah, there's, there's some efforts going out there. Like we talked about the Inner City uh, Muslim Action Network, uh, Iman, in Chicago and now Atlanta. We've talked about, you know, there's other organizations like um, like Taiba Foundation. Uh, like there was, right. an, there was an initiative last year um, by Sapelo Square called Believer's Bailout, which, yes. you know, was to draw attention to the inequities of, of the money bail system, you know, because you get arrested, you can't return home if you can't pay bail. And that's typically, um, a, 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 it typically happens, uh, especially uh, predominantly to people of color. They're held until trial. Um, and that has this whole ripple effect because you have the trauma of being in jail, uh, even though you're not convicted. But and then in time you're in jail, even before trial, you could lose your children, your family, you, you could lose your job, you could be evicted, so on. And this just keeps on having rippling effects in society. So that was a campaign that they had last Ramadan. I remember to to support to uh, to break that cycle, to help break that right. cycle of incarceration and poverty. So in, in that vein, you know, there's some efforts like this. But you know what, uh, you know. Uh, what would the two of you like to see Muslims doing? You know, I think the, fir- the first thing is really just kind of like learning about what's out there, right? So you mentioned Iman, you know, uh, Tayyiba as well. There's also uh, Talif, 
uh, collective right. in Chicago yep. and in Fremont are now having meetings for uh, previously incarcerated people. Um, and, you know, finding out what's going on in your local community uh, that is serving those who are coming home. Um, the second thing, you know, really to do, and it's, it's very important, is to having roots and connection to your local Muslim chaplains that are in local prisons because they know the immediate needs of the people that are coming home because they're in touch with them on a daily, on a daily basis. Right. So, um, you know, finding out, you know, who is the, what's the closest prison to your city? Um, and who's the Muslim chaplain? Is there even a Muslim chaplain? If there's no Muslim chaplain, how can somebody from your community actually help those, those brothers and sisters? So I think that's one of like the, like the simple steps uh, to start taking like at an institutional level um, for folks. Sadiq, uh, what would you say? I would say that to begin with, uh, prison don't get you ready to do anything but return back to prison. The Dean of Al-Islam makes it possible for you to go around that, providing you stay connected. The streets don't do nothing but get you ready to either die or go to prison. So we need some things in place it is that will give these brothers their humanity back. You know, and this ain't, this ain't got nothing to do, brother, with being black, white, Arab, Iranian. This got only something to do with being a human being. And society, nor prison, is teaching you to be a human being. They're not teaching you that. So through the Dean of Al-Islam, hopefully our brothers coming out will realize that if they maintain and stay with the practice of Islam, they safe. That's their shield and that's their sword. Anything outside of that, you subjected to whatever it is that you got coming. Yeah. yeah. Because you're in a society that, that, that lives like that. You're in a society that is run like that. So a lot of the things it is that we see taking place as Muslims, we know it's not the truth. So if we hold on to the truth, then maybe we can prevent ourselves from going through a lot of things it is that will, that will put us in harm's way. So we need programs. We need programs. We need people like yourself. We need people like Justin. We need uh, a real strong imams. We, we need people to take out the time uh, to, to, to accept these brothers and tell them, listen, you, you know, welcome back to the street. I was almost say this. I went to um, a gathering they had in the community a couple of days ago, last, I said a couple of weeks ago, where this, uh, uh, this, this mosque in, in California Honored all the brothers who had returned to society. Told them we didn't want nothing for you. This day we cooking dinner for you. You know we are gonna celebrate you being back in the street. And these was all Muslims. Islam, right? You know, no, it was at uh, it was at uh, uh, Ibn Robin around the corner. Oh, okay. the show. I, it, it amazed me. It really amazed me. But these, this is the kind of things that is. These are the things that is that we need. Yep. We need programs in motion that will take these brothers and make them proud of who it is that they are. Right. You know, make them feel good about holding on and teaching humanity according to how it is that we know it to be. The other thing, too, I, I'd like to mention, Sadiq just inspired it in me right now to say, is that um, one of the things we have to get away from is the idea that these brothers that are and sisters that are coming home are a liability to our community. Hmm. And that by taking them in, it actually makes us better. Because I mean, you're you've 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 heard Sadiq in this whole interview. I mean, 
you just want to just eat popcorn and listen to him for hours. You, you know what I'm saying? You just want to hear him talk. The, the amount of wisdom and the amount of uh, expertise and knowledge that people are bringing home uh, and the amount of charisma is incredible. Uh, and everybody has their own skill set and, and, you know, things to benefit society. So we have to see, you know, people that are coming home as assets to the community. And I think that's one thing that Iman does. It says they don't even call it a transitional home. They call it a leadership home, right? Because they're trying to, you know, they identify people that are, are can, can be considered leaders on the inside and they want to continue that legacy and help the outside community, right? Because somebody like Sadiq can change hundreds of lives. We just have to give help, help him reach that platform. You know, we have to help him help himself, uh, in order to, you know, see that, that fruit, you know, and, and we can benefit a lot from it as well. Great, great points um, from both of you. And something that definitely we, we as a community have to, uh, to uh, take a good hard look at and, and see like, you know, from both the, 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 the big projects in terms of financially and structurally, but also just some of those little things like, uh, you know, those, 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 those small social, social encounters, those conversations, all those things are going to be very important to, to help uh, to us, help us be the community, uh, the ummah that we need to be. Um, you know, as we close, uh, you know, one thing that about the film that I, I sort of appreciated at the very end of the film was, you know, a lot of times, you know, you you watch a documentary and you see the trajectory of of the of the subject of the film, uh, but you know, Justin, you know, you you're spending so much, you I mean, you know, months, years, right, with Sadiq, right. And, and 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 it's certain. It's very clear to me. You know, the two of you have a, a very close relationship. You know, and and the two of you are from you know different backgrounds. You know, uh, so I'd like to just, if you can, I, I can only guess that for you, Justin, that you know you also had your own personal trajectory as a filmmaker and as a person doing this film. How has that? How has the experience shaped you? I mean, how has the relationship with Sadiq changed your life? What have mm. you learned from that journey? Yeah, um, that's an incredible question. I mean, in the during the course of this film, I had, you know, I had two kids, <laughs> uh, you know, um, so it, it really, um, for me, it's kind of just shaped the way it's, it's really uh, kind of created a certain amount of humility. Um, and a sort of, I want to say also, gratitude, right, for an appreciation for the type of you know, struggles and the type of paths that Allah puts in front of us. Right. Um, so whereas, you know, I didn't, I, I don't have to touch, uh, you know, an, a 10th or even maybe 1% of the, of the difficulty and trial that Sadiq has gone through, um, in my life, but I can look at his example and learn from him and be inspired from him. And I have to do what I can in my power to, to help and protect him. And what Sadiq has done to me, for me, is just taught me so much about, so much about life, you know, so much about persistence. And, um, you know, we've, we've really had a mutual, you know, benefit in, in our relationship with one another. That to me actually is the beauty of the film in the sense that the relationship between the two of you is a microcosm of what needs to happen in our community, uh, of this uh, empathic, brotherly, um, relationship where um, supporting one another and listening to one another and and helping one another um, to me that that to me is like you know and I, I that's something I, I I appreciate at the very end of the film 
because there's a I don't want to spoil it, but there's a scene at the end of the film which really sort of hit home for me that point. So um, with that said, um, Justin, so how can people learn more about the film, uh, how to view it and everything like that? Absolutely. So uh, you can go to our website, honeststruggle.co, and um, you can find out where to find the film on the platform of your choice. Inshallah, by uh, April 8th, the film will be out on iTunes, Amazon, and the Google Play Store. So you can search it there, um, searching The Honest Struggle. Um, so inshallah, we appreciate, we appreciate your support and, uh, you know, we want, we want to see you, you know, see the film and, and you could send me an email through our website and uh, we'd love to have a screening in your local community and we can even come and bring Sadiq and, uh, you know, have, have him speak because I feel like part of our journey and our mission with this film is really taking those, the mission of it and those values and, and putting it into the local community, right. And trying to amplify that spirit, the spirit of the work that Iman does and hoping that other communities take that work and, and, and push it forward. Inshallah. And, and Sadiq, just to close, I'll let you have the last closing comment. What, what are your hopes about the film and, and what it can bring? Well, Inshallah, I hope it can save somebody's life like it did mine. You know, more than anything, I hope it can give somebody some direction to let them see that contrary to what mainstream America said, we are not like what it is they portraying us to be. That's terribly important. So uh, with, outside of that, uh, I know, you, you know, Allah is the, is the best of planners. So I'm just trying to do my part as one of the servant and, and, and one of the servants and just hopefully somebody can benefit from it by uh, seeing that in spite of everything it is that I've been through, I've benefited from it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm just trying to be a good example at this point. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah. Uh, I want to thank you, both you, uh, Justin and Sadiq, for joining us today for um, this episode of the Iman Wire podcast. Again, the film is called The Honest Struggle. Um, it's going to be released April 8th. So check the website, The Honest Struggle, again, and you can see the details for um, uh, where it is available. Um, and uh, really uh, uh, recommend uh, all our listeners to do that and as well and look into the work of some of those organizations we mentioned like the Inner City Muslim Action Network, uh, get involved with those efforts um, to help support our brothers and sisters uh, as the Muslim community as we should be supporting them. And uh, hopefully that this podcast can be a, um, a, a starter for some conversations or local communities about uh, the, the efforts that need to take place to to uh, be warm and welcoming and supportive of uh, all the brothers and sisters in the community. Again, to the listeners, uh, thank you for joining the program. We hope to see you in another podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, please uh, give us a five-star review. Sh- uh, please share the podcast with your friends and family. All that helps get the podcast out to um, a greater audience. And until then, we'll see you in the next program. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be out to you. As-salamu alaykum.